Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. The Bible tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible also tells us that the just shall live by faith. I want you to join us as we share messages on faith, how faith should be employed in the life of the believer. If you can, grab a hold to your Bible. Get into the Word of God with us and listen to these messages as we strengthen our faith. To many of us, faith may be a mystery. We think it's something we have to continue to beg God for or something we have to seek after. I'm going to share with you that you already have enough faith to get things done. You just need to exercise it. Now come and go with us as we walk in the light of God's Word. During this time of prayer and fasting, I think it's appropriate to share with you the key to answered prayer. There are many believers who've called on the Lord to work miracles in their lives only to be disappointed when they realize that the thing they believed for does not come to pass. And if the truth be known, there are several of you saying, I've been praying, but it seemed like God is not answering my prayer. A great number have become discouraged and have fallen by the wayside thinking that God doesn't love them or that they don't have enough faith or perhaps they're just a failure in prayer. One of the things that we emphasized early on this year was that this church is a house of prayer. Now, it will not be a house of prayer unless we have people of prayer. It amuses me sometimes when the people of God seems to use prayer as a fallback position when they can't get anything else to work. When they tried everything and, and nothing is working and they've tried to work everything on their own understanding, their own intellect, then they say, Lord, I need your help. But Jesus said that man ought to always pray and not give up. Jesus was a man of prayer. The scripture tells us in the New Testament that he would get up early in the morning and separate himself and go out to pray. The disciples would look for him and they were saying, I think he's praying. He taught on prayer. He demonstrated prayer. So Jesus, the son of God, with the power of God, realized that he must pray. Now what about us? Jesus taught about prayer and prayer is so powerful. The effective prayer, the Bible says the fervent effective prayer of the righteous availeth much or the NIV says is powerful and can get things done. I remember in the book of Ezekiel, I believe it is, uh, God said, I was looking for a man who would stand in the gap and pray for the people so that I would not destroy the land. The implication there is that God said one man can save the land. One man in his prayer can save the land. Guess what one man can do in his household? Guess what one woman can do in her household? If they would just pray. Think about it. Now, we are the people of God. God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'm going to hear them from heaven. And then I will heal their land. I'll take care of your 
situations. Now, uh, as we come to the Lord, the Lord has given us powerful weapons to access him. And why do we keep going through all the things we're going through without employing what God has given us that we know will work? The old saints used to say, prayer changes things. And I'm a witness of that, and we're a witness of that in the church. In the book of Mark chapter 11, Jesus taught his disciples a lesson on prayer. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 He began with this. He says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Will you repeat that with me? Just say, have faith faith in God. God. Now, before you can get anything done in prayer or anything else as a believer, you must get that verse, that little quote in your heart that I have faith in God. I have faith in God. I believe God. Jesus says, have faith in God. In verse 23, he says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, this is a remarkable passage in the Bible, and I wrestle with it, and you should too, because it says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. You're asking yourself now, why haven't I gotten what I said in prayer? I know, we, you know, I've sat there where you were, and, and when the preacher would preach, I'm thinking to myself, that's not working. He said, I'll have whatever I ask for in prayer. I asked for that Mercedes. I don't have it. I asked for this husband. I don't have that one. Then I asked for another one. Didn't get that one either. (laughs) I asked for another job. I didn't get that one. But that's what Jesus said will happen. He says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, And does not doubt in his heart, but believe what he says will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell tell you, and I'm telling you the truth. Whatever, that's, that's pretty broad. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you received it and it will be yours. Now, he says, whatever you ask for. And some people say, he said, whatever I ask for, it'll be mine. But no, he didn't say that. He said, whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, there's two things you're going to have to understand. Now, one, he says, have faith in God. Second one, he says, ask for in prayer. You're going to have to know what prayer is. Prayer is not ordering God around in Jesus' name. That's not prayer. God, I decree and I declare that I shall have that new Mercedes, the big one, the long one, the one that's 700 whatever. I declare in the name of Jesus. God said, I don't know who you think you're talking to. (laughs) Prayer is not to get God to come over to where we are and then do what we ask him. Prayer is for us to find where God is and try to get under where he is and ask him, Lord, now what is it that you want of me and what would you want from me your will be done my kingdom come and then God will give you what to ask for 
When God gives you what to ask for, God said, why don't you get you a Mercedes? You say, oh, Lord, Lord, say, go on, ask for one. He said, you have not because you ask not. Then you can say what he said and you'll get what you say. You got that? If you want to get what you say, find out what he says about your situation and your circumstances. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 5, I, I do nothing unless the Father says it. So if Jesus said, I got to hear what God is saying, you got to hear what God is saying. So you may ask yourself, how can I ever attain to the level of faith that I know I will receive what I ask for? Jesus' promise is real. He says it's the truth. And he begins by pointing out the foundational element of a successful prayer life, and that is faith. Have faith in God. Have, say it one more time. Say, have faith. In God. He gave us this powerful promise, but the power to believe a promise depends on our faith and confidence in the promiser. If I'm going to believe you, I have to have confidence in you. In order for me to have confidence in believing whatever you say you're going to do, I have to know you. If I don't know you, why should I believe you? I haven't, I haven't been witnessing anything you've done. I haven't observed your ability to do anything. So I have to know you to believe you. So what you know about someone determines how much faith you can place in them. And if you don't know God, you will not trust God. Now, some people know about God, but they don't know him. I run into people all the time and they say, yeah, I know, I know Pastor Martin. He's on the radio. They know me on the radio. They don't know me. They wouldn't know me if I walked in the room. To know about someone and to know them is two different things. There are some things you should know about the God you are praying to if you're going to be a believer in what he's going to be able to do for you. If you are saved, somebody say saved. saved. If you are a believer, See, I was going to say if you are a Christian, but Christian, that term has been so misused and abused, I don't even want to use it no more. Everybody say they are Christian. After they get through cussing on TV and doing all that stuff and, and twerking, <laughs> then they say they are Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I want to give thanks to the Lord of my life. I'm like, no. So I'm not going to say Christian. I'm going to say one who has been bought by the blood. One who has been redeemed. One who is saved. One who has the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. You can fool everybody else. One you cannot fool when you go to talk to, and that's God. God says, uh, I'm talking about those who are called by my name. That's what I'm talking about. You don't have the access. You don't have the privilege of coming up and asking for whatever you want. You don't belong to me. Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? I want to give you quickly some things that you need to know about God, the God who you want to say, this is who I'm going to, to ask for what I need. This is who I'm going to for my problem. This is who I'm going to for the condition I'm in. Number one, you want to know that God is omnipresent. Omnipresent means he's everywhere, all at the same time. He is wherever you are, no matter what the circumstances you find yourself in, God is there. He's everywhere. You don't have to go looking for him. He's been looking for you. Secondly, God is omniscient. Omniscient, that means he knows everything. 
Anything that has been, anything that is, anything that ever will be, God knows. God already knows. He knows what's in your heart when you come to him. He knows what's in your mind. He knows what you need. He knows what you're going through. He already knows. God never has to learn or to find out anything. He already knows. He knew what you were going to experience before the experience began. You don't have to go out and lay out everything you're going through. God, I just want to tell you, I'm going through this and I'm going through that. God said, I already know what you're going through. I know how you got in it and I know how to get you out of it. He knows the depth of your hurt. He knows your fears. He knows your problems. He knows your secrets. And he knows how to rescue you in whatever situation you find yourself in. Come on, say God knows. God knows. He already knows. That's who you're going to. You should know also that God is omnipotent or omnipotent, if you want to put it that way, which means that he is all-powerful. You can come to me and tell me all of your problems, and I'll know, but I can't fix it. You're going to God who is omnipotent, which means that God is able. Say, he's able. That means that he has the power to do the impossible. He has the power to do the impossible. It also means that there is nothing too hard for God. So it's no matter what kind of situation you find yourself in, no, it doesn't matter what the doctor says about your condition, no matter what you've suffered in the past, no matter what other people said about you, no matter how bad things are, how low you've gone, God is able. And you need to know that when you go talk to him. When you know he's able, then you can put your faith in him for his working on your behalf. You also want to know that God is the same yesterday and the same today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. What he's done in the past, he can do today. So one of the things that when I'm reading the scriptures, I'm reading the Old Testament, I'm reading the New Testament, and I see how God moved and how God worked and how he opened doors. And I see the Israelite crossing the Red Sea. I see manna in the wilderness. I see God rescuing the Hebrew boys out of the fire. I'm saying God is able. He's still able to do that. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. Jesus laid hand on the sick and the sick got recovered and, and the apostles laid hands on the sick. He was a miracle worker. See, he, he wasn't a miracle worker. He is a miracle worker. He didn't stop working miracles when the Bible was finished. He's still writing the book of Acts. When Moses was out in the desert, he found out who God was when he had his burning bush experience. He knew about God, but he hadn't met him personally. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 9, And now the cries of the Israelites has reached me, God says, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, he's telling Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, I'm not up to that monumental assignment. And then God said, I will be with you. And Moses said to God, in effect, well, who are you? God said, I'll be with you. Moses said, well, who are you? God said, I am who I am. See, it was hard for God to just give him a document on who he was because it would go too long. 
if I had to try to explain to you all of who I am, we never would get through this conversation. So I'm just going to tell I am who I am. And Moses said, what do you mean? He said, whatever you need, I am that. And whenever you need it, I'm that. I am who I am. And he just said, I am. I'm, I'm a very present help in a time of need. I'm the God of the universe. I am the beginning. I'm the end. Everything in between. I am. So just tell him I am sent you. He'll figure it out. Moses is getting to know God. God got his attention with the burning bush. And God has gotten our attention with our own burning bush experience. How many of you now have an experience with God? See, he'll get your attention. Moses was, was doing pretty good. He was out there in the wilderness. He thought his life was on a downslide because he was about 80 years old. And uh, he'd been out there for 40 years, got married, he got rearranged, and uh, was just taking care of the sheep out there. And God says, okay, Moses, it's time for you to fulfill the purpose and the vision I had for you. But Moses wasn't hearing it. He knew that Moses needed to be attracted. Moses needed to be interrupted. Moses needed to be a challenged and he put that burning bush there and God will do the same thing in your life. God says I want to use you. Now you've been saved for a long time. You haven't done anything. You've just been cruising. Now it's time to get off of that cruise and let's get on to my business. And you're wondering, Lord, why am I going through this? Why am I not happy? Why, why I just, I just seem like life is so much a, of a challenge to me? That might be your burning bush. After the initial encounter, God spent the chapter 4 of this passage in discussion and and demonstration of his power to further acquaint Moses with himself. God said, let me show you who I am. Throw your rod on the ground. It turned to a snake. God showed him a few things. This is who I am. I'm able to do it. Just go talk to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. At their first encounter, Moses was getting to know God. And as he walked with God, his knowledge of God increased. When you walk with God, your knowledge of God increase. Now, some of you already have seen God move in your life. If you're saved, that's the first thing you saw God do. You saw him save you. You know what you were before you got saved. You know what kind of person you were before you got saved. You know what kind of attitude you had before you got saved. We wouldn't find you in church on Sunday morning before you were saved. We wouldn't find you reading your Bible. We wouldn't find you at a prayer meeting. He's already done some things. But some of you seen God move and heal you when you were sick. Some of you seen God open a door for you for provisions. That job you were praying for, you saw God move for you. As we walk with God, our faith will increase. Our faith will increase. We see God. I'm just thankful to God that I grew up in a home with parents that believed God. And so as a small child, we saw God move. You got to see God move when you got eight children with no, uh, with no health insurance. Some of your grandparents and mothers and fathers, they didn't have health insurance. When I went to school and, and they used to ask you on your form when I was in elementary school, well, put your family doctor down on your form. And I would go home and say, Mama, they want to know who the doctor is. She said, tell them it's Dr. Jesus. <laughs> and so we go back and we write Dr. Jesus. Because that's who he was. She said he's a healer. That's who we depend on in this house. Dr. Jesus. He was a real Dr. J. (laughs) By the time Moses got to the Red Sea, his faith level was to the point that he could just stretch forth his hand. And the water would roll up on both sides and God's people would pass through. 
Where's your faith level? To the point where you have uh, begun to grow. And as you begin to grow, your faith will increase because you will learn how to depend on God. In fact, when Moses was at the Red Sea, he began to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord asked, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand. I've given you an assignment. You should know me by now. You've seen the ten miracles in Egypt. So stretch forth your hands. I know the Red Sea was there before you even got there. I know you're going to be boxed in. I know you're going to be hemmed in. I know Pharaoh was coming up behind you and you didn't have a way out. I know that. God knows the situation you're in. And you may say, I can't get out of this situation. God says, hey, listen, stretch forth your hands. Moses didn't stretch forth his hands until he heard God say it. He came to the Lord. What are we going to do? He says, why are you coming to me, Moses? Stretch forth your hand. Moses says, okay. Open up, Red Sea. He was probably as surprised as anybody. <laughs> now notice that Moses didn't go around to every time they got to a river. He said, y'all get back. I got this. Y'all get back. Y'all get back. Okay, river. Open up. No, he didn't do that. You know why? Because God didn't say it. God didn't tell him again. So sometimes when God tells you something and he works for you, you just got to go on to the next thing and not try to recreate the same thing. You got to talk to God all the time on every situation that you're confronting. Now, God, what do you want, to do, what do you want me to do with this one? How do I approach this situation? That's the reason Jesus tells us first to have faith in God. Faith in God begins with a good and a right understanding of who he is. I need to know who you are, and I have a relationship with you, and I can have this faith. Place my trust in you. You're the living God, the mighty God, the omnipotent God, the all-knowing God, the God of impossible circumstances. And so when you come before the throne of God, you know who you're talking to already. God, you're able to do what I'm asking, what, what I need. I know you're able. I have faith in you, and I want to hear what you have to say about what I'm dealing with. Ask him what he has to say about what you're dealing with. We want him to take us out of the fire sometimes when he wants to bless us in the fire. Lord, I don't want to be in the fire. God said, I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to do something now. Ask the Hebrew boys. They said it this way. The God we serve is able to deliver us. But even if he don't, we know he's able. Come on, say he's able. If he doesn't deliver us out of this fiery furnace, we know he is able to do so. And they were thrown in the furnace. And the Bible said they rejoiced in the furnace. They got out of that furnace alive and their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. Now who's going to get the glory for that? Jesus often challenged his disciples by saying, O ye of little faith. When God tells you something, you can be sure that God will do everything he said he would do. Thank you once again for joining us on the Light of the World broadcast. This is Jerry G. Martin. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and you would like to hear it again, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to today's message or any previous messages that you've heard on this station. You may be going through some tremendous difficulties right now. God is able to move on your behalf. 
I encourage you to contact us if you would like someone to join you. Perhaps you're going through something, you need someone to pray with you and for you. Call us at 281-964-1393. Again, that's 281-964-1393. You can also contact us through our website at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. Then join us. We're meeting in person on Sundays at the Light of the World right here in Humble, Texas at 16161 Old Humble Road, 10 o'clock each Sunday morning. We still have our safety and health protocols in place. Come and join us for a tremendous time of worship and the Word of God. For those of you who are looking for a Bible bookstore in our community, come to the Beacon. It's right here on our campus at the Light of the World. Call us for books, Bibles, church supplies, communion supplies, or whatever you need. The Beacon, 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.